Hey, good morning and welcome to the broadcast or podcast, depending on how you listen to this, of Faith Fountain Ministries. Well, we're coming up on Christmas, aren't we? I tell you, what a great week it is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the beginning, the incarnation of God's intrusion into our world, just in case we think we own any of this, just in case we think we have any right to any of this, God decided to, in the most gentle fashion, remind us who is in charge. Well, how we respond to the incarnation really has a lot to do with what we speak and what we say. What I mean by that is how we respond to the presence of God in our world and in our lives will leak out through our declarations, our speech. I've preached a lot in the last probably two or three years about the power of the the sound that we create, the sound of your spirit. Uh, I've, I've called it the sound of your blood. What is inside of the very core of your being will leak out through what you say. And so today I want to talk about how to make that practical, especially at this Christmas season. I I read a lot and articles have been coming up quite a bit lately on what happens to people uh, in, in their psyche during this Christmas season, especially if they're prone to depression or loneliness. And it seems like this time of the year, emotion is just heightened in all of these areas, both positive and negative, but especially within the negative emotions, uh, you know, emotions like depression, a tendency for things like suicide or self-harm become amplified around us. And so in this broadcast today, I want to talk about practically making the sound that we create something that that changes the atmosphere around us more than just reflecting the atmosphere within us if there's any shred of hope in you then giving place to that sound can actually shift your atmosphere, can shift your world, can shift your perception of things. Not just that, but can actually begin to change things for others around you. I'm not talking about just saying kind words or good things that bring uh, bring hope and life to other people. I'm talking about having a spiritual impact upon the atmosphere around you so that you, you become a conduit to set the the world up to receive the incarnation that is the resurrection power of Jesus showing up and and having an impact in flesh that's why I believe that healing still exists for today I've not just seen it happen but I want it to happen more and so this is the question that I'm asking this is the prayer that I'm praying is God how can we set up the atmosphere to see more miracles see more healing see your love touch more people especially at this time of the year when the focus is is on Christ I mean, forget the commercialization of things. The focus, every time we have Christmas, every time Christmas rolls around, Christ is is in the mix somewhere, and we all know it. 
doesn't matter what a person believes in or what their religious background is, this time of the year, we all know that there's something about Jesus. We see the, the bumper stickers and the slogans. He is the reason for the season. People are constantly reminding us it's Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. You know, we, we don't have to go far in this country uh, to, to see something about Christ at this time of the year. It may be a warped or a limited or twisted perception of Christ in a commercialized world, but I got to tell you, however Christ is preached, at least he's being spoken of. And in that kind of an atmosphere, you can start to see the incarnation have impact upon the world around us. You know, the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken or make alive your mortal body. And so how can we set up the atmosphere to receive Christ at this time of the year? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today is making all of this stuff about the sound of your blood as practical as possible. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time bouncing around in the scriptures today. Go ahead and get your Bibles and let's just get started and hit the ground running here. Go with me to Romans chapter 10 and starting in verse 8. And it says this, but what saith this? The word is near to you. I like the way that King James, old King James puts this one. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. The word is near unto you, the Bible says, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes under righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, what you and I believe, that will ultimately impact how we think. What we think will impact how we believe. Believing and thinking kind of go hand in hand. And if our thinking is twisted or wrong, then our believing will reflect the wrongness of our thinking. And if we believe and think wrongly, especially about Jesus, then what we speak will actually reflect that twisted thinking and twisted believing. It all hinges upon what you dwell on in your mind. The Word of God has been given to us as a gift to actually grant us the ability to think the thoughts of God. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, I say to you, says Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things which he speaks comes to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So we talk a lot about believing right, talk a lot about thinking, but again, the sound of your blood, that entire message series that I've been preaching for the last couple of years, speaks so much about what we say. And what we say has to do with what is at the core of our being, our believing. So what has to happen is our mind has to be in line with the Word of God. And right thinking begins with lining your thought up with the Scriptures. 
with what Christ has said, with what God's word actually declares. So if you want to see your mind renewed, get into the scriptures and start to let your speech reflect what the Bible actually says, words that bring hope and life. You understand, you can actually utilize the scriptures to bring quite the opposite. The devil did it in the wilderness with Jesus. The devil actually quoted scripture to Jesus to try to get him to question his identity. Jesus quoted scripture back to the devil to reinforce his identity. So a right perception of the word of God, where those words bring life and not death, is actually really, really important. So your thought life and your speech lining up with the word of God is really a big deal. Now, a lot of people have this perception that the limitation of man is physical and mental, but the reality is the eternal part of you is spiritual, but the mental part is deeply attached to the spiritual part and can impact the physical part, right? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding, and that would be your mind. That's Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible goes on to say, casting down imaginations, which is things like reasoning and logic, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge or the thinking and logic of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Do you ever notice that it says that there in 2 Corinthians 10.5? Bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Now, the Bible also goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. So you ask yourself, how in the world do you renew your mind? Well, by studying the word of God. By getting into the scriptures and letting the word of God actually transform you from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And the only way that we have the mind of Christ is to study his word. Catch this with me. Study his word and then believe it in your heart. Take what you're studying to be true. That means you think to be true. Believe it in your heart. And then let that belief result in a change in life, the way we act. And part of that action is our speech, what we say. Okay, I'm not just talking about just confession here. I'm not just talking about naming and claiming. This has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with changing the atmosphere around you and infusing it with hope. You set up the atmosphere around you to receive Christ that's the deal. He's the one that brings the healing. He's the one that brings the forgiveness. He's the one that brings the grace. But you and I are ambassadors that set up the atmosphere around us to receive Christ. Just a word in a sentence can change the entire atmosphere, can shift a room to bring hope in the place of doubt and unbelief, fear and worry, end up having to bow to the name of Jesus Christ when that hope comes into the room. People can infuse the atmosphere with a sense of judgment, with a sense of intimidation using the scriptures, or using even, even a, a reflection of an internal faith and become com combative. But listen, you bring scripture into the room in the right way. And the Bible says the entrance of thy word gives life. 
That's the deal you're doing. You're combating death with life. You're combating judgment with hope. You're actually bringing grace into the room through what you speak, through what you say, and through the very spirit of Christ that you carry. So what we dwell on in our thought life will affect the sound that we say in our speech. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 teaches us to think on whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, or whatever has virtue or praise. The Bible says so much about the the thought life that we have. But understand, thoughts can originate from multiple sources. Thoughts can come into our minds that don't originate in our minds. Sometimes I would say we have an enemy, right? We have a, There's a devil in the world, and that is true. And even though the devil is defeated, a defeated devil can still talk. And so he can influence a thought. I don't think he can control your mind unless you give him control of your mind, but he can influence a thought from outside of you. And then, of course, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you dwell on the Spirit of God, then there can be a thought that comes from inside of you through the, the Bible talks about the spirit of your mind. So staying in fellowship, in close fellowship with the Lord through prayer, through meditation on his word, his goodness, his faithfulness, through study of the scriptures, you will begin to learn to distinguish the source of a thought. Now, naturally, listen, evil thoughts, negative thoughts, um, doubt, all that junk, that's from the devil. It's obvious, super obvious. The Bible says God is love. And love thinks no evil, hears no evil, sees no evil. In other words, you can look at the world around you and everywhere you look, You see, as the Apostle Paul saw in Colossians 3, you see Christ as all and in all. In other words, you can't look at this world without seeing Christ in the middle of it, holding it all together, infusing it with hope. And and in other words, there's no place where life and the light of the gospel can't reach and can't touch even the hardest heart. Now, there's a phrase that I love to say quite a bit. And I can't remember where in the world this originated. I'm I'm not sure if I first said it or if I heard it said somewhere, but it goes like this. You can't change your heart and God won't change your mind. But if you will change your mind, God will change your heart. There's two places that you and I believe from. We can believe in our mind and we can also believe in our heart. There's a lot of people who believe with the mind but they haven't believed so long with the mind that has impacted the heart. And the key is to believe in your heart. I believe that's where spiritual power comes from, is when the mind transformed and renewed has dwelt on believing rightly for so long that now the power of that believing transforms the heart. And now you and I walk with a supernatural spiritual power. That would be uh, kind of like it's, it's getting all of the junk off the runway of your heart so that faith can land there. And what happens when you have a negative thought 
or a negative perception. You say, oh, does that mean that there's something negative inside of me? Well, no, the Bible tells us what to do with that. And this is where speech comes into play. This is how you can actually infuse the atmosphere of your own heart with hope. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess, again, we're having to speak something here, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's an impact to speaking out a revelation, the fact that when we bring a thought to God, a sin to God, a negativity in our life to God, and we say, God, I recognize that this is there. And what does he do? He doesn't just forgive it. In other words, he he doesn't hold it against you. He's not holding your sins against you. You can hold them against you, and, and you can judge yourself, in a sense, and condemn yourself. But what he does with it is he does not hold your sin against you. But the next thing he does is he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So if I bring a sin to God, he doesn't hold my sin against me. He takes my sin, and then he exchanges it with his righteousness, cleansing me from all unrighteousness. But how did I do that? I was willing to open my mouth and speak to God, revealing that there's something in me that I need his help with. This is literally me being helpless. This is us being vulnerable with God. God doesn't punish our vulnerability. He comes in and he replaces it with something else. So if I bring a negative thought to God, if I recognize externally I've been bombarded with negativity, right? And I'm bringing a negative thought, a a negative idea about a person, a negative thought about a situation, a hopeless perception, let's say. I bring that to God. I believe he takes that negativity and he replaces it with hope. He replaces it with something that can become a springboard for the life and light of his word to launch from in our speech. Now here in 1 John 1, 9, we talked about confessing sin. But in Romans 10, verse 9, the apostle Paul said, If thou shalt confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is not the confession of sin. This is the declaration of the Lordship of Christ. It goes on to say, And shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is speaking something that is positive, hope-filled, and uplifting that has a, a spiritual impact upon your entire life. So let's break down speech into three areas. First, it's affirming something that we believe. You can hear people's belief by what they speak. What they speak affirms that belief. And the second thing it does is it testifies to something that they think. You see, you're testifying with your speech to what you think. You're revealing both your belief and your thoughts. And the third thing it does, and this is where it changes the spirit of the room that you're in, is it witnesses to a truth that you have embraced. 
Now, some people dabble with certain ideas and thoughts that they haven't fully embraced. Okay, that's why I don't freak out every time somebody says something negative or dark or evil around me. I feel like a lot of people are just dabbling in some of these things. You say, well, is that true? Don't you take that stuff seriously? No more than I take uh, things about things that people say about Jesus seriously, because a lot of people are just dabbling in Jesus, right? Uh, they haven't fully embraced the thoughts that are running through their head about Jesus. Not every thought that you have gets fully embraced. And you and I get to choose the thoughts that we embrace and believe to be true. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Hold fast your profession or confession or declaration. So there's something about taking charge of what you say. You're actually in charge of your speech, by the way. Somebody says something, I, I just couldn't help it. Uh, yeah, you really can, actually. And it's necessary that as you take charge of your tongue to bridle that part of your body, that you begin to let there be a continual confession of the reality that you and I have, because of Christ, been redeemed from the devil's dominion. He no longer rules you with condemnation, fear, disease, depression, doubt, or worry. This is what it means to hold fast your confession, because our confession solidifies the defeat of darkness and enforces the victory of the cross. Now listen to me. Jesus defeated the devil on the cross once and for all 2,000 years ago. But what Jesus did for you and I legally must become a vital living reality in all of our lives. Now, to take the reality of that legal moment in history and make it an experience begins with changing the way we think. Let me give you an example. We often pray, uh, God save this person or God heal this person. But in the mind of God, he has already healed people. He has already saved them. In other words, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus doesn't have to die again to save anybody. He already died once for all. He doesn't need to shed his blood anymore. His stripes already paid for every person's healing and salvation. So legally, God has already done everything he needs to bring and to provide all of our redemption, salvation, healing, forgiveness. This is what we mean when we preach the finished work of the cross. But if you just deal with the legal side of redemption, healing, forgiveness, grace, and just preach legality of it, then people may not actually ever experience it in their own life. And this is why sometimes people push the promises of God off into a future time period for which we have no present responsibility. In other words, oh, well, you'll experience healing after you die. Oh, well, you'll experience the fullness of salvation after you die. Well, listen, I believe you can experience the fullness of all that Jesus paid for right now, but it takes more than just legally preaching it. It's got to be some area of 
stepping into the experience of receiving what Jesus fully paid for. So if I, for example, just preach the legal side of redemption and say, this is what Christ did on the cross, but I never step into that place of actually myself laying hands on the sick or declaring over people what Jesus did when he was here on earth, going around healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. If I don't step into walking out that same expression of Christ in me, the hope of glory, then I'm no more than just giving people a good idea that doesn't have any present value in terms of how they experience that idea. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? Doesn't that at least just give you know, people some sort of hope for the future? Well, here's what it does, and I think it's a bit of a danger zone. Uh, when people get up and they just preach this stuff as if, well, this is what Jesus did and it will someday be fully realized, but now you're going to struggle and you're going to strain and there's really no hope for you in the present moment that you're in. A person can accept that message. What they'll end up doing is becoming what I would say is a cold, dead, formal religious Christian who has just heard one side of redemption preached, the legal side, but the redemption, the healing, the grace hasn't become a living reality in their lives. So consequently, they think of themselves just as sinners saved by grace and just depraved all the way through and through, or they think of themselves as unworthy of the healing uh, that Jesus paid for in his stripes, in his blood on the cross. Now, the flip side of this is also true. If all you ever preach or hear preached is just the experience of what was paid for on the cross, but you don't know any legal basis for any of it, you, you first time you get a wind of adversity comes against you, it can completely knock you off course because you haven't a root system that is that is buried into the soil of the scriptures. And so both of these, the experience and the legality of what Christ paid for on the cross must go together to transform our thoughts, our belief, ultimately our heart. So a healthy perspective would be like this, that what Christ legally gave us on the cross, what he brought about through the finished work, and what he provided for us must be ours experientially when we believe the word of God in our heart and then confess with our mouth that what is true actually belongs to us. That forgiveness, righteousness, healing, peace, joy, love, the grace of God, that all of it, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit belong to you. You got to know this, not just legally, but experientially. And when it legally and experientially becomes a reality in your life, then suddenly something happens inside of you and it starts to impact what you say, what you speak. You're not just putting out words hoping that they'll be true. It's become an internal reality, changing you from the inside out. I want to finish out with uh, Hebrews I started to read this and just didn't finish it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let's hold fast to our profession. In other words, we say the same thing he's saying. So what does this mean that we have a great high priest who's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God? Well, he's there representing you to the Father. Think about this with me. Just picture Jesus saying, I died for them. 
I took their sins. I redeemed them. I became sin for their sin that they might become the righteousness of God in me. I took their infirmities. I bore their sicknesses. I delivered them from the authority of darkness. I've made them new creations. All of those things are a reality. But have you experienced that reality for yourself? Have you heard Jesus, just picture Jesus just saying over you, I died for you. I took your sin. I redeemed you. I became sin for your sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in me. I took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. I delivered you from the authority of darkness. I have made you a new creation. I want to pray for you today that this would become a reality for you. So Lord, I pray for every listener of this podcast today that those promises would become a reality that would change our minds, our hearts, and what we speak would reflect the reality of that truth not just legally on the cross, but it would bring people into an experience of healing, grace, and forgiveness that would give them hope, especially in this Christmas season. God, thank you for saving, for loving, for caring for us, and for being a propitiation, not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. May we see everybody as within reach of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, you can write to us here at Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. The address again, Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to VanderbushMinistries.com. There's a Give button on the home screen. That's the quickest way that you can support this ministry. Thanks so much for being a part of this podcast today. If it's a blessing to you, share it with somebody who needs to hear this. Go to BillVanderbush.com, click on the schedule button, see where we're going to be in the next year. We're filling up 2023. This is Bill Vanderbush from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.